This is CliffCentral.com. Wumandla on CliffCentral.com. It is our new time slot. It's five minutes past 11. So I can officially say good morning to all of y'all. I'm Pumi Mashekho and you're listening to Wumandla. Uh, I have a very interesting person with me in the studio and the book is even more interesting. So when, when I got the book and first of all, the title says birth, fuck yeah. And I thought, what is this girl on about? Like you start out at the fuck stage, right? When you're giving birth. So uh, for a lot of girls who've done it before, but, and then absolutely upfront in her, it, it's like, um, Note before you get going. I absolutely love the fact that it says, Fuck yeah is the only way I can adequately describe the magnificent wild inner beauty that every woman possesses, an untamed feminine quality that is finally emerging into our society. And I thought, well, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I've got the author of one of the funniest, most honest and incredibly readable books um, that are like real life books ever that I've ever actually read. Sonia, how do I say your last name? Killick. Killick. This, these are those tongue twister English words that one never knows how to say. Sonia, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks. Welcome. Pumi. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. So you've got to tell me, even before I, I have this conversation about everything else that's in the book, the book, An Honest Guide to Natural, Epidural, and Caesarean Choices. What the hell with this title? <laughs> well, I think I had to tone down the fuck. So, so I thought, I, let me rather explain it with a more explanatory subtitle. <laughs> Shame, man. I think everybody kind of knows that's the kind of trouble you get into when you start there. <laughs> that's the toned down version. That's the toned down version. Absolutely. Because the non-toned down version would have been... Uh... I think, well, this is Cliff Central, so I can say. We're uncensored, we're unradio, and we're unapologetic. Okay, well, the uncensored version will be stop listening to the bullshit that doctors tell you and start standing up for yourself and start reclaiming birth and start reclaiming, you know, as I said in my, in what you read out earlier, your immense inner, you know, beauty and ability to birth. Okay, I'm glad yeah. you changed the title. I wouldn't have no, read that exactly. book. No, exactly. It was too long. <laughs> Far too long. I thought I'd just condense it into fuck yeah. <laughs> Sonia, this book was, when I started reading it, I thought, why didn't I have a book like this eight years ago mm. when I was pregnant and reading everything from what to expect when you're expecting mm. and having every conversation and having every online doctor and mm. their dog <laughs> giving me all sorts of advice what made you write this book well exactly what you just said the information is not available it is not readily available women don't know the truth doctors aren't sharing it the internet you know as you said it's everyone and their dog um, when I went through my own birth experience and my own pregnancy, I was horrified, literally horrified at how much information is kept from women. And, you know, whether it's deliberate, I think a lot of the reason is that it's deliberately withheld because, you know, empowered people make empowered choices. And that kind of disrupts the birth industry, which 
the industry, of course, doesn't want. Which is a lot of money. It's a huge amount of money. Huge. You know, and it's not just the pregnancy aspect of it. It's the birth, and then it's the post-birth, and it's the hospital stay afterwards, and then it's you have a sick, a sick child, you know, that you have to now go to a pediatrician. It's an enormous industry. And then, of course, it's the baby formula and the nappies. You know, it is a billion, billion-dollar global industry. And why would they need to change? They don't need to. They're making money. You know? So you have some interesting statistics. Mm. You have statistics like 90% of all births happening in South Africa. Mm. In the private sector. In cesarean. the private sector. Yeah. Well, just two mm. weeks ago, mm. went to see a friend of mine, old friend from high school, haven't seen her in a long, long time. Um, and in fact, I, I actually went because her father had passed away. And it was his funeral. So I went to see her and I went to the funeral as all black girls do (laughs) in townships. And when I arrived, she had literally gone into labor about four hours before. Okay. On the day of her father's funeral. So emotional. Yeah, absolutely. Beyond, Mm. beyond. But she was going to be having her child in the public health system. Mm. And so she'd gone off to the Mm. clinic, which is the first port of call. And long story short, that Saturday morning, I came face to face with what the majority of women in South Africa experience when they have children. In the public health system, first you have to go to a clinic. So you are in labor. And first you have to go to the clinic and stand in a queue and say, I am in labor. And then you get transferred to a labor because you can't just like arrive at a labor ward. And she actually got transferred to Bara. And astounding for me was how in the public sector, you essentially have your child, you're in labor and you, no one is like freaking out about the fact that, which is what happens in the private sector. Everybody's freaking out. It's like ridiculous. And you have your child And you have a couple of hours and you get shipped out. They have midwives. They have, and and the birth process isn't as gruesome, isn't as expensive, isn't as crazy as what it is in the private sector. And that got me thinking, so all of that, and then your book landing on my table, I was just like, oh my goodness. So this is like a money-making scheme, basically. Sadly, yes. But I'm glad you said that, you know, in so many cultures, you know, women, birth is easy. It's a part of life. You get pregnant, you go into labor, women, many women around the world birth at home. You have your baby, you have a few hours recovery, your family comes around, you visit, you celebrate in your life and that's it. You carry on, you know, because you're not sick. Exactly. This is the biggest thing. (laughs) You're just having a baby. Why are we, why are we (laughs) shipping women like this on a conveyor belt into hospitals, you know, and being treated like, you know, completely powerless, uh, as you say, sick people. And that is not what pregnancy and birth is. And, oh, yeah, it drives me crazy, as you can tell so, from my book. So did you have, so when you had, you have a four-year-old. Yes. When you had your baby, is this when all of this. Okay, so I'll quickly tell you my, what led me to it. So basically, I mean, I knew I'm a bit of a hippie in heart. And I knew when I fell pregnant, I'd be having a natural birth. At the time, really? I did, without a doubt. There wasn't a shadow of, of doubt in my mind. Okay. <laughs> so 
I was living in Cape Town at the time, and I just moved there. And you know how hard it is to find a gynecologist. You, you know, you either have to be, you have to know them for years and years and years. So eventually, yeah, because really, no one actually wants a stranger looking up their family yeah, every absolutely. couple of weeks. Yes, true. So I eventually called a hospital, and I was desperate. I was like, "Look, I'm pregnant, and I cannot find a doctor." So they gave me one. They appointed me one at a hospital. I went through, um, and then he, he did the first. You know that one. <laughs> Where you're lying with your legs up. Yes, yes. And they put a condom over. Yeah, yeah there we are. That was a great one. Um, anyway, he said, yes, you are pregnant. And he called his, his PA or secretary, whatever you call them, in. And he kind of said, please just schedule her cesarean. Now, I am, what, four or five weeks pregnant. Zero discussion with me about what my birth choice was. That is ridiculous. Zero medical need. I mean, I'm five weeks pregnant. There was no medical, you know, need for me to have a cesarean. So I stopped him and I said, no, I'm actually having a natural birth. And he literally, and I'm not, I'm not lying. He literally started laughing at me and he said, we'll see. Anyway, I walked out of there. I thought, well, I'm not going to go to, you know, I'm not going to use this guy. Um, I then managed to find another doc in Cape Town as well. And he said to me, you know what, honey? And now, of course, I've got my back up. So as I walked into his office, you know, I said, listen, I'm having a natural birth. Don't argue with me. This is what I'm doing. So he said, no, that's fine, honey. But, you know, you're going you're gonna to have a leaky bladder your whole life. And I was like, what? How? You know, that's just not true. I know that's not true. Anyway, long story short, I came back to Joburg, found my third gynae in four ways. <laughs> Um, a lady and now I, you know, I'm even more like worked up about it. So again, I said to her, I'm having a natural birth. That is my choice. So this woman screamed at me and she said, let me tell you something. It will be my choice as in the doctors, what kind of birth you're having. I will let you try and have a natural birth, but ultimately the decision will be mine. Anyway, this just made me more and more and more and more angry. And of course I realized and I've, you know, from my past uh, work history, I've always been a bit of an activist and I thought this is just not right. You know, I am a strong person, so I don't mind saying, you know, well, fuck off. I'm actually, you know, you don't get to make those kind of choices regarding my body, my baby, you know, my life. So I then worked with, I went to a midwife, an incredible, incredible woman. And she insisted that birth does not happen when you go into labor. Birth happens the moment you become pregnant. You need to be conscious throughout your entire pregnancy. You need to educate yourself throughout your entire pregnancy. And you need to prepare yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, as well as physically. In fact, the physical actually comes last on that list. So, you know, spending an amazing amount of time with her and her um, prenatal classes, which she insisted that we go to, you know, like a really intensive eight-week course, I was just exposed to all of this information and I just thought, and I was gobsmacked. I was like, you know, the things that she was telling me, I said, but how is that possible? If doctors know that when they do certain interventions, it's going to cause that harm on the woman, on the child, et cetera, et cetera. How are they still doing it? How is it legal? How is it? I mean, this is just wrong, you know. And she said, well, that's the way it is. So, you know, as I went through, as I said, my own personal birth experience and I just thought, and then speaking with my friends as well, you know, and obviously I'm a, you know, a Santon woman and, you know, I, don't know, okay, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I uh, see those parentheses. Yes, my parentheses as well. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and, you know, pretty much all of my friends had had cesareans and everyone I spoke to had, had cesareans and I was very interested to know why. And was it a medical reason? Because there's, of course, two very distinct categories of, of uh, kind of interventions in birth. There's the medical need, you know, if a child or a woman is in you know, dire straits or she has preeclampsia, whatever the case may be, that's why we have, we have the interventions and that's why they should be used. But what's happening is we're having doctors, you know, as a metaphor, breaking our bones just so that they can fix them.
you know, our bones aren't break, broken in the first place. So why are they intervening when it's not necessary? And yes, I got outraged. I got angry. And I'm extremely passionate because for me, birth is not only about the actual childbirth. It's about women. You know, our rights are being like just squashed, quite honestly. And I think it's in a huge invasion of our our womanhood, our privacy, our bodies, our everything, you know, and it has so many far reaching effects. You know, you know, postnatal depression, so many women don't speak about it. Nobody admits to having postnatal depression. And an intervention and interventions in childbirth is one of the leading causes. You know? So okay, so I, I've had lots of conversations about this. Lots of conversations about the birth experience and the choices. Um when so did you eventually have a natural birth? Oh uh, yes I did. <laughs> and yes, how was that? I did. How was that? Was it was it all you were fighting for? Well, I have to okay, let me let me be completely honest. I was about two centimeters dilated and I was convinced I was already ten centimeters. And this is it, the baby's coming. I'd only been in labor for about an hour. And it was pretty <laughs> When I said that, you know, my midwife made me uh, prepare mentally, spiritually, emotionally, birth is 100% in your mind. It is all in your mind, you know, and my mind was not in the right place. So I, got, <laughs> I completely freaked out. What place was it? Was, I, I was sitting naked on that little like Pilates bouncy ball and, I, you know, and I'm like bouncing. Oh, so you had the full hippie I experience. I did the full, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had my birth pool. I had candles. I had music. I had everything. <laughs> And, but the thing is, it's about also, I mean, halfway through my lab, I was like, switch that fucking music off. <laughs> just go, just stop. Um, but yeah, I was probably an hour or two hours into labor. <laughs> and I said to my, I had a doula as well. Oh, and goodness. I said to, in fact, my midwife, who I have to say, I'm a little bit afraid of. She's an amazing woman, but she's tough. You know, this Irish woman, she's like, she's really tough. And she had gone out the room. So I was like, okay, I can finally, and I called, you know, my doula over and I said, listen, I've changed my mind. I think I'm going to have a cesarean because it sucks. And, uh, and that's why your caregivers, <laughs> your caregivers are so important because she was like, listen, son, you, I know you're handling your contractions now. I promise you they're not going to get worse. Just give yourself a moment. And I was like, Phew. and then my mind calmed down. I got into the space and I was like, okay, let's do this. But if I had had, you know, a normal Ghani with me and I said, I don't know if I can do this, that would have wheeled me into theatre immediately. You know, so you know? I had an incredible, <laughs> but I, I, I asked the question about your experience before and if it was what you thought it was, because I was one of those like, I'm going to have a natural birth, I'm not going to have pain here, all of that. And I'm quite like convinced today that... It is totally a barbaric experience <laughs> to have a natural but it birth. Is, no, I wouldn't say barbaric. I would say raw. Okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because because it's not like what it is on TV. No, and it's not like and and I thought I'd kind of I had an incredible incredible gynae who was was very giving with information and she. She and I have a relationship much longer than just the pregnancy and was incredible with the conversation around choices. So the, the information and all of that was incredible. And then um, she said to me, when, when you've then made your decision, so she, we talked about it, she gave me stuff to read up and all of that. And then she said, when you've made your decision, this will be the last conversation we have about your choice. Because I'm not going to try and change your mind. <laughs> it's it's all going to be so. The the mind 
kind of mm. it's gonna be what you this birth will be what you make of mm. it and i promise you when i was in labor i was i was clear mm. that this was a bad choice <laughs> in every direction but it worked out well it worked out well for me it worked out well for the boy however <laughs> when i was reading your book and what what i appreciated about it is that it's it's not just even though you are an advocate for natural births is it's about everything it's about it's very open it's about all of the information it's very readable it's very and it's non-judgmental really <laughs> i can't believe you said that uh, to this day i think i wrote it a little bit too harshly you don't think so why i think i'm very judgmental in the industry and about the doctors and i know i'm generalizing i know i'm generalizing mm-hmm. But I do feel, you know, even the story you've just said about your own experience that your gynae said, I'm not going to discuss it again with you. I disagree with that. You know, why, you know, we've kind of put our, the, we've put the power in their hands. We've gone to them and said, okay, you are going to help me, you know, manage and monitor my pregnancy and my birth. And then they kind of step in back and going, okay, well, I'm not going to interfere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that they don't want to influence your decision, but they should be educating. You know, mm. and I think it's that's why I push very but strongly. But she'd done that, so I, th- in my mind, I feel she'd done enough of it. She'd mm. done. These are your choices. This is the information that's available. This is what's out there. Make your choice, and I'm not going to to have further input in in the decision that you make because now that you have the information and, you, and you've made the decision, and and I I very much appreciated that because even in the room, mm. in the throws of the terrible everything okay um in the throes of the fuck <laughs> there was never a time where she went you know you do have a way out oh wow okay um that's rare i have to say that's rare and that's good and even with the nurse, so I had a very pushy nurse who was kind of like, oh, I'm having my life here, you and your birth, you know. Um, and at the time, I had no medication, and she just kept going, you know, you should get something. <laughs> It'll stop you from screaming and making a noise for us. We're trying to live our lives. <laughs> it was, And then when she saw my charts and she saw who my doctor was, she immediately went, oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, understood that. Because I, I think even for the nurses, she's then been very strict mm. about what they are allowed to push and not push. But why I thought the book was not judgmental is because I thought the book says, listen, there are lots of choices and there are lots of reasons for mm. all of the things that, that happen and can mm. go wrong. And, and you can always get your way out. But actually, right, the way that you're not sick, mm. you're not dying. And the way that this thing works is X. Um, and it was very fascinating for me reading your book that even with all of the, the stuff that happens, you, you still kept your sense of humor. So how long did it take you after having your own natural birth experience before you started writing this book? Okay. If you want to hear about sense of humor. so Because <laughs> there's no sense of humor in that birthing chamber. Hey? Well, actually there was. I don't know how graphic I can get. but You can get graphic. Okay. Girl. All right. So uh, we predicted a bald baby. 
And um, so I'm oh, what? bald. No hair. Oh, no hair. No hair. Because white kids don't have hair, hey, when they're bald. No, so <laughs> it depends. Some of them do, I've some of them seen don't. I've never a white kid with hair. Seriously? No, no, they bald. got hair. They have hair. But then Black kids, on the other hand, have proper No, no, like, but then their head grows, hair. so then it looks like they've lost all their hair because the, the <laughs> skull gets bigger and then their hair stays the same. But here I am, like, squatting totally naked, and uh, my midwife, she held up a mirror, and she was like, oh, there's hair. And then I completely, you know, I snapped out of my own head. I was like, and then we all started laughing. So that was good. Um, that lightened the mood somewhat. <laughs> but in terms of the book, oh my goodness. So I actually wrote three quarters of that book on my cell phone with my thumb while I was breastfeeding. So obviously I just come out of, you know, and I'm like all impassioned. So you were still raw from the experience. I was, yeah. So every time it took me about a year and every time I sat down to breastfeed, I had my phone out and I would type. Then I got very, you know, overconfident and I found this program that would sync all the writing I'd done with my phone onto this awesome program on my computer and I was just going to be perfect and na, 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 na. And while I was <laughs> I setting it up, yes, I deleted the entire thing. So that sucked. So then I thought, okay, so I've obviously said what I needed to say. Am I like as committed to it? Because I'm going to have to start again, you know, mm-hmm. and I realized, yes, I am. It's an important message. Women need to know. Women need to become educated. Sure. So I started again. So that is my ultimate sense of humor. I was like, listen, I went and I cried for about three hours. Only three hours. I would have cried for well, a couple of days. Well, I had a baby. Days. I had a baby. So I have. A, you have like allocated time slots where, where you can fall apart and then you have to pick yourself up again. Um, yeah. So, but to answer your, your question, um, last year, in fact, a friend of mine, I've actually put it in my book. We we're having a glass of wine and she's like, Sonia, are you actually going to finish this book? And I was like, yeah, Emma, it's a good question. And I thought, you know what? Yes. So I sat down, you know, kind of switched my phone off, didn't answer, didn't take on any other work. And within three months, I had finished it. So, yeah, finally. And are you proud? I'm incredibly proud, you know, not obviously for a personal accomplishment. But as I said, I am so, like, passionate about the subject. It's just... Oh, I get so heartbroken when I hear women's stories, you know, and, and how disappointed they felt and how humiliated they felt. And, and they don't talk about it because you're not supposed to feel this way. You know, that's kind of what birth is. You go in, you, it's a kind of terrible experience. And then you go home and you have a baby and that's what you focus on. And I just think that's bullshit. I think birth should be the one of the most celebratory, incredible, defining moments of your life, you know. And not to say that stuff doesn't go wrong. Not to say that it's not a hugely challenging process because it is, you know, and I think as you yourself know, you know, through labor, you go from like the most incredible highs to like the, the I lowest never had of the highs. The lows, I'm, I'm not going to be out here lying to people about the highs, which is the other thing, <laughs> you know, um, and I forgot to put in my, my, uh, post-its. my post-its, but I, I loved the, there is, so, besides the fact that I love all these yeah, little yeah. drawings, who did those? Uh, a friend of mine, Jeremy, he's incredible. They, they were incredible. So I love all the little drawings, but I, I loved the, the part about uh, who else does it when they're back? <laughs> like all the, animals. all the animals. Exactly. I mean, really <laughs> <laughs> love that about making it easier. And, and that, that sense of humor for me, maybe the, the losing it all and then starting all yeah, again yeah. without the emotions yes, attached yes, to it yes. probably allowed you to have a little mm. bit of distance on mm. it. Mm. I absolutely could not get enough of the honesty mm. 
But I do want to know if you've had any conversations with other people who've read this book and what they think. I've had quite a few. Um, it's, it's a, fortunately, it's obviously a subject which I'm learning about now that is like religion or politics. You know, you've got, you know, it's quite cut and dry down the middle between, you know, about what people believe. And, and that's why I kind of stick to my stance. You know, I think some women get very offended, you know, that like, well, I made the choice to have an elective cesarean or I made the choice to have an epidural or whatever the case is, or I had to have a cesarean because of X, Y, Z. And so I keep kind of stepping back and saying, look, I'm not by any means attacking you and your choice. What I am attacking is the industry. Even if you're having a cesarean, even if you choose to have that cesarean, it needs to be a sacred and respectful experience. You know, I really think birth should be removed from hospitals. I really believe that. I think we should have birthing centers or home births, and I think that's where our focus needs to be. Because in a hospital, sorry, I'm deviating from your question here, but in a hospital, it's kind of like structure and you do what you're told and get on the bed and you know he has your gurney and get naked and put that ridiculous gown on and you kind of do what you're told and that's it yeah and people touch you and, and people touch you you don't even and you got you don't know who they are and the lights you know up bright exactly and people, if you haven't shaved girls yeah <laughs> yes. just an yes. aside yes very important you must shave mm. yourself before going to the hospital Can I say because if you would... haven't shaved Waxing is no, no. also incredibly painful. No, do you know what the problem like... is? I would say you wax because if you shave and then you only go into labor two days later and then it starts getting spiky, I think that's why. Just shave in the morning every okay. morning. <laughs> shave in the morning every morning because if you don't do it yourself, there's going to be a nurse mm-hmm. doing it on your behalf. So save yeah. yourself that one bit of embarrassment. Yes. yes. <laughs> but that's just my aside, yes. Okay, so to answer your original question about what other people have thought, uh, obviously people in the industry, the midwives and all the, the natural birth fanatics love the book. Um, there's mixed reviews from, as I said, from the women who are, who've had previous births around, you know, previous medicated births, I should say. Um, but overall, I think, as you said, you know, when we started chatting, that there isn't a book like this on the market because a lot of, you know, I think, you know, you said about the honesty and I really, it was a bit of a daily battle with myself, you know, should I edit this out or should I be as honest as I am being? Because, you know, you go into a bookstore and on every cover of every birth book, it's like this beautiful smiling mom with the baby and she looks perfect. And that's just not what birth is. It's not what motherhood is, you know. Um, and I find the information very cut and dry. You know, yes, you may have an epidural and this is what will happen. Next subject. You know, it doesn't get into anything. It doesn't, you know, talk about how you're going to feel emotionally and, you know, shit with your partner and with what about your other kids and your parents. And, you know, there's just so many other things about pregnancy and birth that we need to talk about, you know. So, yeah, my goal was to really do kind of bridge that gap between your complete hippie books, which is quite a few. And then, of course, your very kind of doctor-driven books, you know, written by so-and-so MD. Uh, you know, it's quite dry and boring, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Mumanda, I'm Puma Shekho, and we're talking about the messy, um, sometimes emotional, always loaded experience of having <laughs> a baby, giving birth. I'm talking to Sonia Kilik about her book called Birth, Fuck Yeah, An Honest Guide to Natural, Epidural, and Caesarean Choices. Now, the thing about motherhood and about having a baby is it's always always like surrounded by all these perfect images of mothers and gorgeous children after all the blood and guts. <laughs> and I thought to break it up, I'm going to share. And, and when I was looking for the song a little bit earlier, I spoke with Mabale who didn't, Roberta Flack, one of my favorite songs 
and the history of favorite songs about parents and children and the love and the the first time ever I saw your face and she didn't even know that it was dedicated to her daughter. So for you, all of you out there loving mothers or going through the experience or still deciding about your choice, just know that on the other side of it, you get this. One of the most incredible songs in my book about love. And for I was just saying to Sonia of A, when I first heard the song and all the times I've ever heard the song with my mom playing it or on the radio, or whatever, it's always been the most incredible love song. And when I then read the backstory that it was about her child and it was the baby, a daughter, actually, that she wrote the song for. And after I had a baby, it was such an incredible, it suddenly all made sense. Like the song, the tone, the quietness, the, the, the joy, the, the fears, all of those things. And when I think about it now, <laughs> all of the, all of the stuff in the book and all of the information, I really wished I could have had this information before. And I think about, the other stuff. So at the end of the book, Sonia, you have a little bit of a little bit of the after the birth, which most of us kind of if you have a doctor, you know, you then have the six weeks thing that six weeks you're still under the care of your gynae or whatever. Are you going to write a book that's about the after the birth? So more than just what's in there, because it, it, it kind of starts, but you don't go all the way. Motherhood. <laughs> yes, I am very much considering it. <clears throat> um, I'm actually, the book I'm working on at the moment is woman, so it will definitely cover motherhood, but that's going to be a bit of a broader subject. Um, I would love to. I would love to. Because that's, as you were saying earlier, you know, there's postpartum depression and you've got, you know, sleep deprivation. And, you know, we're also talking off air that women just, we, are, we don't speak about these things, you know. And I think it's so important for other women to connect in and hear stories that actually, you know, the shit that I'm going through is normal. And it's okay for me not to be perfect. And it's okay for me to have doubts. I mean, even doubts about motherhood. I mean, I went through times where I was like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, I had such an awesome life before. What did I sign on for? You know, and not to say how much I utterly love and adore my daughter. But anyway, these are conversations that we need to be having. And, and I, you know, as I, as you said, the reason I discussed it a little bit in the birth book was because I do believe that birth impacts what happens afterwards. I really do. If you had a really traumatic, humiliating, frightful, whatever it may be, kind of poor experience, I mean, that that carries through into your mothering, you know. And, of course, you'll get over it and you'll heal and time, you know, moves on. But uh, I don't think we should deliberately put that kind of added pressure on ourselves if we can avoid it, you know, if we're able to. So you have started an incredible conversation with this book about an industry that – 
seems to take women's rights for granted with the guise of, I'm actually looking after you. And you talk a lot about the activism and you're very passionate about changing the way that things are done. Are you continuing the fight? Without a shadow of a doubt. Absolutely. So the official book launch is actually only happening in April. And uh, (laughs) I'm going to be inviting as many directors of the various hospitals as I can to come because they need to stand there and they need to see women in the audience. Well, I don't think it will be an audience. In the crowds. um, And they need to really witness that women are actually standing up and saying we actually want a different we want we want better treatment we want a different experience and they need to see that you know he has an interesting um story so the third Ghani, Ghani number three it was at uh, four ways life hospital and my husband at the time he he's kind of in the medical industry and so he managed to organize us a meeting with the hospital director head of maternity care and I said to him, you know, I'm having a natural birth. Uh, do you guys have natural birthing rooms? They said, well, no, but we, you know, we, we would like, it's something we want to look into. And we're thinking of getting in-house doulas into the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. So basically they, they were going to support me in my choice and I was kind of going to be a guinea pig. Um, and they were going to allow me to bring in my own, you know, private midwife and they were going to see how it went. And then they would kind of expand that offering to other women, women. I decided not to go that route because I thought, you know what, it's my first child. Like, do I really want to be blazing the trail when I myself don't actually really know what's going to happen? If I were to have a second child, like I would be in there, <laughs> camera crew, like Amazonian woman behind me doing chants, you know, like, like I would be like, I'd, you know, 100% do that. But the point of my story is that Globally, there's a huge shift. There's a huge demand um, for birth to be removed from hospitals and, as I said, into birthing um, centers. They're kind of a bridge between a home birth. I mean, for me, a home birth is just incredible. But a lot of women are very nervous about having a home birth. Um, so I think a birthing center kind of bridges that gap between you've still got the safety and the backup of your kind of medical equipment and your theater if necessary. But at least it's in a very private, very... Um, kind of sacred environment uh, that is lacking in a hospital. So, yeah, there's there's a there's a shift, there's a demand, and I think that the doctors and the hospitals, they need to get on board. Do you think that with for women the shift is happening, or do you think women are still have for too many years been given only this one choice and so have, have, have the trauma? The shift is happening, and I do believe categorically that it can only happen by women. Because, you know, as we said earlier, the birth, it's an industry. They, they're profitable. They're efficient. They don't need to change unless there is a demand for change. So while there are a couple of progressive thinking hospitals out there and gynees, et cetera, the true change is only going to happen when women start demanding better treatment. And it's happened in, in, you know, in our recent history. You know, when, you know, hospital births is quite a recent phenomenon before it was only ever at home, you know. But, you know, hospital policies, they wouldn't allow men into the birthing wards. You know, so there has been changes. Now, you know, the men are in there. They've got their scrubs on and they, you know, do the Lamar's breathing and they're trying to help the, the woman as much as they can. They have no idea what they're doing, but they're there. Um, Every time I hear those things, they just make me laugh. <laughs> make me laugh. I mean, you know, even 20 years ago, less, you know, we had the babies were immediately taken away from the mothers and they were sent to that little horrendous nursery you know with the glass and you just see like 100 babies lined up awful um and you know now babies are staying with their moms as they should um it's quite logical 
Um, so there has been changes in the industry, but I think this, but there is a big shift that needs to take place. And it has to start in the mindset of women. As you say, have we been brainwashed and kind of, um, had a loss of control and choice for too long. And I don't think, no, I don't think so. Women are, if nothing, resilient and incredible and amazing. And we've made so many changes in the last, just uh, the last hundred years, you know, in terms of voting and equal pay. And I mean, I, you know, the list goes on. We've made so many changes in society. We can make this change. I know we can. Are you taking to the streets? Are you taking, Babe, are you taking your message I'm to gonna the streets? I'm going to be wearing a nappy. I'm going to have like a baby <laughs> doll strapped to my back. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to march. And it's, yeah, it's, it's but just But seriously, it's do you, is there, do you have any kind of outreach, any conversations that you host any conferences any teaching any if anybody is interested I'm going in having a little bit more information in having some one-on-one time and experience because yeah you're preaching a, a, a gospel here mm. that is radically different and it's it's not enough for it to be in a book mm. absolutely i agree which is why i shall be inserting myself at all the baby expos <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if they don't let me in you'll find you me outside with my little stand um, no absolutely these discussions do need to happen I do have free re- resources on my website I am going to start an online what's your website? soniakillick.com you let must me spell, spell that for you, you. spell killick s- for people k-i-l-l-i-k <laughs> and it's Sonia with an I <laughs> Sonia Killick, there we go. Um, yeah, so I do have a, uh, lots of free resources available. Also, the first three chapters are available on my website for download. Oh, really? But, yes. Where else can people get the book? Uh, currently, all your ebook retailers. We are rolling out to uh, the paperback versions to the bookstores, hopefully within a month. I don't want to say that, but it's always a process. Stop, start, stop, start. Um, but yes, within, let's say, two months, just to be on the safe side, you can find them in exclusive books, etc., which will be fantastic. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you know, oh, you, oh, sorry. And you can also buy, to start with, you can buy the paperback off my website. You can order directly. Fantastic. While we're waiting for exclusive books to pull their finger out their bum. Yeah. <laughs> well, love you, exclusive books. This is, this, this, my, my next question is, wh- are you self-publishing? I did, yes. Because... How easy is it to find a publisher? Well, yeah, well, that's the one challenge. The other challenge is that they are very slow moving. You know, you know, if the ones they've accepted your manuscript, you're looking at about two years to be on shelves. You know, it's a very long process. And also, I didn't want them to, um, edit. edit. <laughs> yes. To you're censor to me say too that. much. You did not want people to edit yeah, your work. Yeah, I didn't want them to censor. And, you know, I mean, as you say, I mean, on the cover, I've gone all out on the title. So I did decide to self-publish. Uh, I am looking, I am working. I mean, you know, you're not ever alone in the industry. I'm working with some fantastic people who are helping me, uh, get out there. But, yeah, you know, I've done it now, and it's actually not that daunting, and it's not that difficult, and the next book's rolling, and it's happening. So, yeah. Tell me about your new book. Yeah, well, that's Give a woman. Give me a quick, a quick, very quick, a quick rundown. It's going to be a combination of philosophy, history, and kind of how-to, and looking, and again, just raw honesty. You know, I want to talk about sex, I want to talk about marriage, I want to talk about motherhood, I want to speak about all the important things that are in a woman's life. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I really believe I'm a little bit of a feminist. I'm not sure if you can just tell. Just a little. Just a small bit. Um, and the fact that women are not Everybody only. Everybody should be a feminist. <laughs> but we're not only stepping into our own. I think we're stepping above 
I'm not going to say it. <clears throat> but anyway, so I'm very excited about that book. And it's also going to follow the same vein. It's going to be honest and hopefully funny. And yeah, I'm excited about it. Very excited about it. It yeah. is very funny. So congratulations to you. Because when I, when I was reading the book, even and I don't know how much of this is because... I'm not in it anymore. So I have mm. a bit of a distance. Mm. But when I was reading the book, I thought, this is very funny. Some of the things that, that are in there, you, you know them, you've heard them before, but you have found a way of writing it in such a way that it, it is easy to relate to mm. and that it is very easy to kind of take it in. Mm which is where I got the non-judgmental mm. thing. It's very easy to mm. take it in. Mm. And congratulations on, on being able to, to create a, a picture in my mind mm. that gives me a clear indication. I mean, your birth story at the end as well. It's quite <laughs> <laughs> but even between the, the drawings and the, the words and the way you've written it, what I get more than any other thing is I get a, a very clear sense of a woman who felt very wronged at some point, but also one who's found her power. If you were to do it all again. Exactly the same way. Although I would do it at home. Really? Yes. Yeah. Why? It's just, it's just, it's so difficult to explain the experience, you know. Um, it's like trying to explain sex. You know, how do you explain an orgasm to someone? It's like, dude, you need to go out and have an orgasm and then you'll know what I'm speaking about. So how do you explain the experience of natural birth? You know, for me, it was such a, a transformative experience, you know. I mean, it's hectic. I mean, you know what it's like. Labor is hectic and you are faced with all of your fears and all of your self-doubts. And, you know, and then you go through this and then you dig deep and you find this well of power and awesomeness inside of you. And that comes out and then it doesn't leave, which is amazing, you know. So you're not only birthing your child, you're kind of birthing yourself as well. So I think oh, without a shadow of a doubt, I'd do it the same way. Absolutely. And your advice to anybody who is pregnant right now and going through the motions, what are your top three questions that you should be asking your caregiver okay. to give yourself a, a good opportunity at making an informed Decision. I would say before you ask your caregiver, I would say you need to ask yourself because you need to look in with yourself. You need to connect in with your own truth and you need to say, what is it that I'm truly afraid of? Am I afraid of the pain? Am I afraid of? And, you know, some women have confided in me and they're afraid of, in my mind, I would say it's silly, but it's really, really important to them. They're afraid of being naked. They're afraid of... um you know, soiling themselves during during the labor process. You know, the, which can happen. Which, of course, and it's part of the process. And, and nobody tells you until well, the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, don't worry, honey. <laughs> it's okay. We'll just clean that up. <laughs> um, so I think what's I think the first step when what's important for for pregnant women is to ask themselves what's right for them, and they need to separate their mothers, their friends, their partners, husbands, whatever they may be. They need to take that out of the equation and first decide for themselves what's right for me. Are they making the, the choice, uh, you know, dependent on influences from family or influences from, so, you know, from the media, from past fears, et cetera, et cetera. Once they've kind of connected with their own truth, then they can go out and educate themselves and support themselves and help themselves to grow in their confidence. But to ask their caregivers, for example, if they're having a natural birth, they need to ask their guineas, how many natural births have you had? 
Because they, I guarantee you, they've had none. You know, they may be there for a natural birth, but they, they'll kind of step in or step out. It's probably, I would imagine, 5% of their births that they do. So if you want to have a natural birth, you know, it's logical to not go to somebody who, you know, who doesn't do natural births. 95% of their births end up being, you know, epidurals and, and gynies. Um, I would highly recommend, highly, highly, highly recommend, even if you are dead set on having a, a medicated birth, you have to get yourself a doula. You have to get yourself a midwife because you want to be cared for emotionally and as an individual woman. You want someone to get to know you, who you are what your personal story is and that varies for every single woman on this planet and you're not going to get that kind of care from your traditional doctor you, there's just no time you know you're going to see them once every month two months three months for half an hour there's no space for a relationship in that kind of you know interaction whereas with a doula and a midwife you see them far more often it's half as the price which i think is an important thing to say and a personal relationship is developed and during the moment of your birth you are now surrounded by these incredible women who know you who trust you you trust them, which is very important. They're not strangers, as you were saying with that nurse in your labor. You know, why do you want to be surrounded by strangers during your birth? You know, you want to have people that you admire and you trust. So that's important, an important step. And I would say, I think that's it, really. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of anything else. Before I say goodbye to you. Yes. Did you feel more like a hippie after all that experience? No, I felt, like <laughs> no I felt... Babe, I, f- I felt like the Statue of Liberty, okay? I was just like, yes. <laughs> I was, yeah. And you know what? Like nothing, there is nothing that I fear in my life now. There's nothing that I fear in my life. I did that. I can't get every single one of my fears, every single doubt I ever had about myself. I can't get birth, for God's sakes. I mean, it was pretty hard. And I did that, and now I can do anything. So I loved it. Yeah. And I really want every other woman to experience it as well. I want them to tap into their own power. You know, and love and everything else. Awesome. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. All power to you. (laughs) (laughs) That is, thank you so much. Thank you for coming through and having this chat with me. This has been, so I have a copy of your book and I'm going to ask you to sign it. Absolutely. And I think, because I've decided I'm not ever having any more children, that I'm, if, if I, if you want a copy of this book that's going to be signed by the author, it's going to be my book. But I'm willing to give it away to one person. So tweet me or Facebook me or whatever. Let me know. I will give you my signed copy of the book because I do believe in passing on the information. I've read it and I thought it's incredible. Thank you. I've read it and I thought it's incredible. And I, I think the level of information and honesty in the book is what every sister needs. This for me felt like a definite womanla moment. When I was reading this, it definitely felt like a womanla moment. It's been fun having you here. It's been awesome. Thanks so much, Jimmy. <laughs> fun and honest experience of birth and from from the lips of an author. I think that is incredible and all power to you. I also love the fact that you felt like the Statue of Liberty. Well <laughs> done to you. This is Azam Pumimashoko. You've been listening to Woman in our new time slots of 11 o'clock. I'm back again next week. 11 is our new time slot. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and tap into that awesomeness of the inner you. I love that in the beginning of that book. I really love that. Thank you so much. This is cliffcentral.com.